It feels like an eternity when we take five days off from this podcast. Welcome to episode 349 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. Got a great show for you. It, it's going to be worth the wait, this return. We're going to talk to Ben Heck again. He's always a great guest. Uh, what else is going on? Now, here's the reason why I took about a week off from pinball podcasting. Well, first and foremost... The weather's getting really nice. And the last thing I sometimes want to do is think about pinball, be on pin side, get out and enjoy the weekend, enjoy the nice weather. Uh, last weekend especially, Friday night, Brenda took me to 11 Madison Park uh, for a special dinner. Uh, if you don't know the restaurant, three Michelin star got voted the best restaurant in the world, okay? in 2018. Was it the best food I've ever had? I got to be honest with people. uh, I sometimes enjoy just a bacon, egg, and cheese and a slice of pepperoni pizza and and a nice Coke every once in a while. Uh, But the food was phenomenal. But you go there for the service. Like they gave us a to-go treat uh, where they hand drew Bubba's face on it. And that was what our goodie bag was or a doggy bag when we left the restaurant. Like they went online, they researched who we were, and they found that we had a dog named Bubba. I'll upload that as the podcast image for this podcast. Uh, Then I had a friend's 40th birthday, Kentucky Derby, and then we had Cinco de Mayo. But here I am, sobered up and ready to talk about pinball. I have to be honest too with all of you out there. I know I say that like I lie to you. I don't lie to you. Uh, I need to be honest. Something that's just been like eating away at me a little bit is sort of the blowback. I got after I hyped Willy Wonka. You know, I was really excited for the game. I still am really excited for the game. And I don't know, something about people being upset with me for saying how excited I was about the pinball machine has sort of rubbed me the wrong way. And you know me, I like to be rubbed the right way. But the whole notion of you're not allowed to get overexcited, you're not allowed to raise people's expectations, you're not allowed to like tell people that it's a game-changing game and it's gonna change the pinball landscape. Let me tell you something, I can say whatever I want about a pinball machine, and if I get really excited about a game, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to tell you how I feel in the moment. Of course, the first impression with a game that shoots amazingly well, that is a theme you love, is always going to make you pretty giddy inside. So I just want to say uh, that that was a little annoying to me, uh, that, uh, that I got that kind of blowback. I, still, I, still pe- pe- I see people like accusing me of ruining their ability to enjoy Willy Wonka. And I just want to say, if that ruins your ability to enjoy the game, uh, then I think you need some help, all right? Make up your own mind. I I, I want to just say bluntly, make up your own mind on these games, but I'm still getting a Willy Wonka, all right? Now, when will they ship? I don't know. I think they released it too early. I don't think we're going to see it in homes in June. Do you? I don't know. Speaking of in homes in June, Deep Root, June 30th, I'm still hearing that owners of Zidware claims are being told that by June 30th, they will be able to buy one of three or choose from one of three games that are available to them. Let me read you, let me read you the goodwill terms of the Zidware contract, okay? Because this is really interesting. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated that this is actually like what the terms are. So it's something like this goodwill agreement is between so-and-so and Deep Root Pinball. All right, so the customer and Deep Root Tech are here and after collectively referred to as the parties. All right, whereas 
the customer entered into an agreement with Zidware and or John A. Papaduke Jr., collectively Zidware, related to the purchase of one or more of the following pinball games. Magic Girl, Raza, Alice in Wonderland, and Space Mission X. Whereas, the customer submitted one or more proofs of claims uh, to Deep Root Tech and has placed a deposit in the amount of $42.50 prior to the effective date of this agreement. So I think that's what the... Um, that's the amount of money I think they're giving people. Okay, so whereas Deep Root Tech seeks to provide pinball games to the customer and has agreed herein in exchange for certain promises. Okay, now here's the promises. This is the interesting part. Delivery date. Deep Root Tech shall begin delivering pinball game machines by June 30th of 2019 as or as may be amended by Deep Root Tech to an earlier date. By the delivery date, Deep Root Tech shall offer at least three different titles and shall identify all titles of Deep Root games that may be elected under this agreement uh, at least 30 days in advance of the delivery date. Okay, so what that means is by the end of May, we will know uh, what the three titles are that these gentlemen have uh, available to them to buy. Okay, so this is coming up very quickly. All right, then it goes on to say, should Deep Root Tech elect to manufacture or sell any of the subject games, Deep Root Tech has the sole and absolute right to alter the nature of the subject games, i.e. title, theme, structure, graphics, or layout, and the quantity produced of the subject games. Uh, so what, what they're saying there is if you want a magic girl and you think you're getting a magic girl or you're not going to get the magic girl you saw before, they might make changes to that game uh, and it's, it might be a different kind of magic girl. It also means you know, they were originally only going to make 16 magic girls. Now they might make unlimited magic girls. All right. What else? Number two. So these are the three things. You get your delivery. Number two, customer benefits. The customer may elect deep root games by applying the deposit to the following tiered pricing structure. So $5,000 for one Deep Root game, $9,500 for two, and $14,500 for three. All right, and then it says the third part is the election, and that means within 30 days of the delivery date, you must let them know how many games you want and what games you want. And then it goes on to say failure to delivery. Notwithstanding any other terms herein, the Deep Root tech fail, if Deep Root Tech fails to deliver a Deep Root game to the customer by the delivery date, uh, then Deep Root is, has to pay um, the claim uh, for that customer. So if you have a $4,500 credit with them and they don't deliver by June 30th and you are in on a John Papadou game that they gave you credit for, they owe you that money back. So there, that just leads everyone to believe there is a lot riding on this date. So June 30th, and, and as of a few weeks ago, Robert is still telling people they're going to hit that date. So everybody, let's see what happens by May 30th even, because that's, that's when I think we should hear the titles. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. Let me talk to Ben Heck. You'll enjoy it. We talk about all of this stuff and more. Have a great day, everybody. All right, welcome back. We've had a week hiatus because I've been scouring the earth to find this man to talk about internet connection and the letter H, Mr. Ben Heck. 
<laughs> hey, you can't spell heck without the letter H. Now, let's start there because I know that you believe that the Willy Wonka logo needs a massive overhaul. What are your thoughts? Well, I wouldn't say massive overhaul, um, but <laughs> when I was at Midwest Gaming Classic, and that's where I played it for the first time, there was something off about the logo. I mean, I, I definitely got that impression. Like, I thought overall the art looked really good. I mean, I know a lot of people complain that it's just, you know, collage, you know, the same image of Gene Wilder 50 times. But, I mean, it looked good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The logo just looked really, like, brownish. I know chocolate's brown. Uh, yeah, but then when I saw that uh, dissertation that Oric did, I was like, oh! Right. So that's that. You know, it's like I I, I could tell so there was something wrong, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and 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 he nailed it. Are you surprised, Ben, when you see you were like really enraged about that, though? <laughs> no, well, I mean, here's the thing. I think this is what I thought was funny: is is this logo uh, has changed numerous times since 1971. I think even Orc po pointed that out. That somewhere along the line it was vectorized and it was scanned in and then it was, you know, it, it hasn't looked like it did originally in years. Uh, but I still think 99.9% .9 of people that would walk up to that machine, that is not where they would ever stop and say, wait, this needs to change. That that was my point. Right. That That's completely understandable. But I would say counter that, that doesn't mean it's not wrong. Uh, like I can't, uh, I can't look at a lawn and tell you what's wrong with it. I can't look at drywall and tell you what's wrong with it. But I can look at a circuit and tell you what's wrong with it. Or fonts. Like I, I, I used to be a graphic artist. I mean, the number of times people would come in with just a business card with a logo on the business card and say, "Make this into a sign or put this into my car." And it's like, seriously, you got business cards made, but the, you don't have the original art. You only have what's on the business card. So right. I've this is I'm talking like 20 years ago, but I've scanned many, many pieces of shitty artwork in my younger life. And I, I understand like if you even back then, you know, we had auto tracers. They didn't work as well as they do now, but you couldn't just click it and rely on it to work 100 percent, especially if you're talking about typography. Right. And um, you, so, yeah, you, I think I think Oracle is right there. There was a. They auto-traced it, but then they didn't think about the fonts as far as fonts are concerned, like how the stroke width needs to be consistent on you know all the letters on the left-hand side versus the right-hand side. And that's why some of the letters look a little thin. Do you think they didn't pay attention to it, or they were just handed that by the studio, by Warner Brothers? They were probably hand, handed it by Warner Brothers, who had it somebody digitized it 10 years ago who wasn't paying attention. Right. I mean, you know, it's 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 a bit, it's always a churn at studios. Like they don't always care. Like, you know, it's like the intern's assistant is doing things. And right. What do you think? They of, don't give a shit. We we haven't talked since Willy Wonka was revealed. What do you think of the game? Artwork, everything, design. I enjoyed it, um, especially compared to something like Black Knight Three Thousand, which I was taken aback at how empty it was. At least the pro. And, you know, I know Willy Wonka is, you know, considerably more expensive than, uh, you know, Black Knight Pro. But still, it just it seems like a it feels like a completely different game. You know, it actually I guess people were expecting more, but pff, I don't know. I, I thought it had enough stuff and it. it had a rotating gobstopper. 
Um, it had a lot of paths that the ball could take. That's one thing that I liked. Like the uh, the screen on the upper right, it will like indicate left path, the right path. So if that was the screen was part of the gameplay, I guess I'm saying. You know, it would indicate yeah, a path I, or a target. I, I think when people play the game, uh, they will understand that that screen is more than just Wonka vision. It also helps indicate where to shoot. So it's, re- it's really well integrated. But I, I think until you play it, you kind of don't get a sense of how integral it is into the gameplay correct uh it's the same thing that well that like alien didn't do alien had that big honking screen that didn't work half the time and there was a scoop right under it it's like this is a perfect place for mode start right right and that's that's not how it worked but so yeah whereas with wonka i mean you think about what uh what hobbit had that book screen and you know it was basically telling you kind of redundant information and and it wasn't really interactive. So, yeah, I mean, I think the screen on Wonka is really cool. It fits the theme, you know, because, you know, they had the Wonka vision in the movie. Uh, I like the rotating scoop. I know it wasn't, like, super innovative, I guess. I mean, I had thought about making a rotating scoop before myself, so that's why I appreciated that. And there's a lot, a lot of nice little touches, like uh, the upper left uh, ramp, the ball can come back, and there's a diverter, so it can drop the ball onto the lower flipper or it can continue down into the left in lane. So there were just a lot of different paths the ball could take, which I thought was good because that gives you a lot of room for code in the future. Right. And I, and I think that's one of the things I love the most. And I, I don't know if you heard any of my, my, my hype of the game, but I've been blamed for rising. Oh, I, <laughs> the expectations. I remember, I remember your, I remember your hype. Yeah, now, definitely. Let me show you. Let me ask you a question about that because I, I kind of after a few weeks have gone by since that, and part of me is just like p- people are mad at me, Ben, for being excited about a pinball game. Do you agree with their vitriol towards me for being excited? Did I ruin their ability to enjoy this game? Well, I, first of all, the fact that Jack invited you to his factory after all the things you've said about his company is pretty amazing. I mean, you've never held back with him. So I think that was pretty cool that he, you know, had you over. So that was, yeah, that spoke I mean, volumes. But I think, you know, that's because, you know, he must have been really confident in the, in the game. There is the um, the phenomenon, though. What's the word? Access media, where uh, you'll have someone that like, oh, I hate EA, I hate EA, and they get to go to an event in Los Angeles. Oh, the next EA game is great, right? Uh, so they're. I think if anything, people were probably thinking about that sort of thing. You know, like the YouTuber who hates all the new Star Wars movies. They get uh, invited to the premiere of Han Solo, and all of a sudden they love that they love it. And that's definitely something that happens. So I think people were probably probably mostly worried that you were tainted by that. But you know, it's it is a really cool game. I mean, I, I think yeah. If Stern if Stern in, invited in me to go play Star Wars, I was not leaving Stern and, and gushing over how they handled the Star Wars franchise. Uh, but here's right. the thing. I, I think Willy Wonka, I, I've heard all the feedback. I've heard the, the complaints about the music and the artwork and this and that. Uh, I just fell in love with what shoot- are the? Com- I fell in love when I shot it. I just fell in love with the way the game shoots. Yeah, it shoots really well. It has a fairly unique layout. I mean, it's actually, it, it is pretty unique because it doesn't have, you know, Pat Lawler a lot of times he'll put like pop bumpers on the left side of the play field halfway up. And then uh, he'll have some sort of orbiter toy on the upper right, which I guess you kind of have with that uh, that Wonka vision. But it, it actually felt fairly unique. It, it felt different from uh, dialed in, definitely. And no, I, I probably only played it about four times, but I thought it was really cool. Uh, the LCD is done really well. It's a little too skeuomorphic, if you ask me. Like, there's too many like 
LED displays and like literal representations of computers. But uh, but they also have CGI. Uh, what's it called? Oompa Loompas. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the display is interesting. I think the main question for me is how they fully integrate the movie into the code. I'm still a little nervous that I don't really feel like the scenes I love from the film are happening in mode form. I, and I don't know why. Like, there's not clips and call-outs and video yeah. from the film. There is a lot of... A lot of it is represented with uh, CGI graphics. Wait, that's redundant. <laughs> well, why would you do uh, yeah, that when, you... The, when the movie is available? Well, um, one thing that we've come across, or in the past tense, you know, since I'm just a wandering vagabond now, is um, sometimes you have to pay by the minute. So you don't just get the whole movie. It's like, okay, uh, tell us what 10 minutes of the movie you want, and it's going to cost you this much. Really? That is some- yeah, that's something that they could have bumped up into as well. So what we might be experiencing is cost-cutting measures might be the reason why theme integration isn't stellar in the game. I wouldn't say cost cutting, but think about it. I but mean, it's you cost have permitted. Nine... Isn't that, that it isn't? Is it not cost cutting if it's cost per every ten minutes? Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't call it cost cutting so much as it makes the video unaffordable. And you know, it's it, it's quite possible that they're like, hey, it's cheaper to do CGI representations of the super machine or whatever, and then get it approved by Warner brothers than it is to pay like, I don't know, like $30,000 a minute or whatever they want for the footage. I mean, we have no idea. I mean, something to think about. It's just like with a, like with a labor market, there are what 94,000 pinball companies right now. And they're all going after the same titles. So it's uh, it's a seller's market for the studios and the content producers. Right. And so, yeah. which is interesting because Batman 66, obviously not based on the movie. It was based on the TV show. They can use them. It seems like any clip from the TV show. There's also a reason why they didn't use the Batman the movie clips at all because I heard those were much more expensive to utilize. Whole you mean contract. the nineteen the nineteen sixties movie? Yeah, so a whole different contract, probably a whole different. Uh, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't Batman the nineteen sixties Batman like not on home video for like decades for some sort of rights issue? Do you remember that? I'm not. I mean, I. I don't personally. I mean, I just remember watching it in reruns. Uh, but okay, right. so let's let's go back to Black Knight. So, well, the- I, I, just one more thing. I, I, I'm kind of wondering if maybe whatever finally freed up the rights issues for the 1960s Batman series perhaps made the footage and using it more affordable. You know, wow. like maybe it was in a certain way, or uh, that was CBS, right? So maybe it was on the right side of the CBS Viacom split. Who right. knows? But here's the thing that I'm just a little confused about because the Hobbit modern movie, so, so many clips from the film. I know they didn't get yep. all the rights for the sound actors like Ian McKellen's replaced with the sound alike, but it, it's just kind of sound alike who is, who's not Gandalf technically. Right. Yeah. It's like Gandalf's brother-in-law. Right. Close enough. But, but that was the same studio. That was Warner brothers. Same studio. Right. That's what I'm saying. The wizard of Oz seems to have a lot more clips from, from the movie itself. So I'm just, you know, I guess the verdict yeah. is act. We don't know how long, we don't know how far along this code is. So that's the other thing is people are saying 40%, 60%. I do think there's going to be a lot of pressure over the next few weeks uh, for more of that movie to be integrated in the game. Or I, I think people could be on the fence and wait until the game is finally fully coded. It it did seem like 
most of the times when you saw a movie clip, it was used for transitional purposes, you know, like when a mode started. And it, I, I seem to recall seeing the same clip over and over. But again, you know, Batman started the same way. And we all know Keith Johnson will finish a game eventually. But this so. is not Keith Johnson. Oh, it's not? It's Joe Katz. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. Uh, I was going to say one other thing regarding it. That was weird, though, when you see the cli- the transitional clips, Ben, and they, like there's you see the, them, but they're they're not. You don't hear them talking. It's like it's like the scenes on mute. Yeah, that's true. And then they they do have a lot of sound alikes in it as well. I'm sure you noticed that. And Jersey Jack does his sound alikes very well. I mean, like if you like Wizard of Oz, they're yeah. fantastic. And then, well, then what Zen Pinball had incredible sound alikes for their Star Wars tables, which makes you wonder. You know what what happened with like some of the Stern games? Uh, I don't know. I again, I can't. I'm just speculating. It is possible. Also, I mean, Gene Wilder's dead. Unlike you know, I don't, is there anyone dead from the Hobbit movie? So maybe his estate is more difficult to work with. It, right. It's we, we don't we don't know. I'm sure Jack knows something else to think about. Uh, Jack and Stern were fighting over that license, like a hyena with a scrap of meat. So that could have also bumped things up. And, and Jack you know, had lost things... it at one point. I I don't know about that. I, I did hear that like uh, Stern like wrote, uh, what was the word? They wrote like Chocolate River or something on their uh, pin press machine just to like antagonize him because they knew he wanted it. Well, same thing happened with Hobbit. I mean, you know, they uh, Well, they Jack, fight we interviewed Jack and he said he woke up one day and was told that he no longer had the license and i think what happened was be, i think because he did such a good or Willy job Wonka? yep i think because he did such a good job with wizard of oz i mean if you're jack imagine this imagine you've done wizard of oz and stern has done mm-hmm. their games right and warner brothers right. is like well we're looking for the next the, the pinball company to make Willy wonka really mm-hmm. not hard for jack to show them who's going to do it better justice right and you know if you're if you're uh, I mean obviously Stern manufactures games better than anyone that's their major superpower, and perhaps that is at a cost of making simplified games. However, if you're a movie studio, you don't care really how much the manufacturer makes. You want to see the best representation of your product. Right, and that's so, why you, that's why yeah. you give them a vectorized logo that's been a mistake for the last fifteen years, and then you, <laughs> just run with it, people. Uh, uh, it also it was like it was like too brown, you know. It was kind of muddled. It was like it, it was like they had not great vector work, and then I think Oric brought this up as well. They put on like three or four different Photoshop things. Like they had bevel emboss, outer glow, stroke. Like they were kind of like, for lack of a better word, whoring up the logo to like make it look better. <laughs> yeah, you know the 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 thing is, art is art has gotten so good with so many of these new titles that it it's glaringly not at the same level of where other stuff has been. And Jersey Jack, well, I will say this, Jack's art packages for the most part ha- have been weak in compared to what Stern and even Spooky's games look like now. I mean, they, they're, it's just, well, they don't look as good. He, he's never, he hasn't done a, you know, a, he hasn't really done a fully illustrated art package yet, has no, he? No, no. And, and if you think about it, well, I guess uh, dialed in, nobody liked it. They didn't like, yeah, the but John Yowsey style. It was, but and John Yowsey did Willy Wonka, right? That I don't know, but Willy Wonka is basically, you know, it's a Photoshop montage game. It's very well done. Well, I mean, same thing with Chris Franchi. It's, you know, it's 
But what what you're saying with Stern, like everyone wants like the the clean line art uh, zombie Yeti look because it works for both the cabinet and the play field. And yeah, when you have like more of the uh, painterly John Yousey style, it seems like people aren't even really interested in that anymore. But Frenchie's not Photoshop dragged and dropped. I mean, it's illustrated over. It's illustrated. Does, but he he does custom illustrations of the compositions for the Stern games because I thought he used some of his old stuff before like with batman he had like the, the lunchbox it, the, it depends the i mean it depends i mean with batman i know he had like two weeks to make the whole package but with with other stuff <laughs> he you know it's fully illustrated um he has different source materials that might come from the studio but it's all illustrated okay all right all right well if you look, I, I mean, I look at look, if you look white. at guardians next to batman you'll see there's like batman there's more of like the gradient background but you know the <laughs> illustrations come from franchi but but guardians has much more illustrations and monster is even more if you look at that play field okay all right so yeah the art i, I thought art, for, i thought for some reason he was reusing some of his old art but i mean you 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 clearly know more about chris franchi than i do because i know you're like a big fan of his art so no i think he, he, he does stellar art packages um yeah some of the batman was reused but again like batman was a different case it was a rush job uh and he's he'll be the first one to tell you that so let me let's talk about so now that we're on art, art versus theme versus gameplay, what, what, do, you, what do you think is most important? Well, I think I think gameplay is most important, but I don't think that's where the market is right now. I think people have just gone head over heels with art. And I'm not saying that art's not important, but I think sometimes it's over overvalued. It's disgu- I mean, like ACDC. It's, dis- it's disguising AC- a lack of other stuff in the game. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, like, oh, that's definitely what Stern does. And, you know, I, I would hope that Jeremy Packer doesn't kick me in the nuts because I said that. But there's a lot of detailed artwork, and uh, it does help distract you from the fact that the games are getting emptier. Let's talk about Black so. Knight being empty. When you saw it, what did you think? <sighs> so I was at, I was at MGC. And I was doing a few laps through the hall while we're still setting up. I kind of wish MGC was open all day Friday, but that's a different issue. Anyway, so I come across your best friend, Hilton, and he's got his Black Knight Pro there that he just bought. Like he bought it and then he had it at the show all weekend and then he took it home to route, I'm sure. Anyway, so I, I play it and I'm just, he was all excited about it. So I didn't like say how I felt, you know. Um, I'm somewhat diplomatic in person, at least when I haven't been drinking. And I was, yeah, it's it. There's really not much in it. There's like the knight, which is cool. Then the pro, there's a ramp and a habit trail return from the ramp and two vux that put the ball into the habit trail. And that's basically it. Like without that upper play field, it's even even by stern standards, I, it was like it looked shockingly empty. But even the upper play so, field. There's shockingly little to do. There's an orbit, a flipper, and a lock, and that's it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I only played the Ellie version of it. I mean, honestly, like at the show, I was like, I, I tried to get more time on Wonka than Black Knight because it just seemed like a more interesting game. Uh, yeah, but the upper playful didn't seem like it did a whole heck of a lot. Uh, yeah, but the animations are really cool. I mean, they're they're pretty effective. So for so, for a game yeah. that is like Richie's original title i think they just have to license the name black knight right from someone right williams right sure or scientific games so, or whatever is it planetary it is. pinball has it or something like that or cgc has planetary 
I don't think Planetary Pinball owns the rights to those games. I think they own like the rights to reproduce, uh, you know, things. It's like you know, Sony doesn't own the rights to Spider Man. They own the theatrical distribution rights for Spider Man. Same kind of thing. Okay. Anyway, but, I'm, yeah, but, I'm sure they did have to license the word but with, Black Knight. And not an expensive thing to license compared to the major franchise that Stern normally licenses. So, oh, probably were, not. Were you expecting more? Or is this Richie's thing? Well, like flow, flow, flow. I was flow, never, flow. I was never a huge fan of the Black Knight games. To be quite honest, I know the first one's important because it was first game with the ramp. But there's just so much of the playfield covered up, you know. And there's the ball's going into all these paths, and it's like I don't know where it goes. I mean, obviously, if you play the game or if you own the game, you start to learn. But I don't know. So I guess I was never a huge Black Knight fan to begin with. But I, I love, I love like the animations, like skulls and skeletons and monsters. Like I love that kind of stuff. But I think you've talked about this before with games. They put everything on the LCD. It's everything's moving to the LCD and moving away from the playfield, and that's well, kind of unfortunate. Okay, right. So you're battling the Black Knight and his army, right? There, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no army you're battling on the playfield anywhere. There, 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 there's like skeletons, yeah, there's... there's hydras, but nothing, nothing. But look at okay. So imagine a game like Monster Bash, where you're fighting yep. all these different monsters. But yet there were the monsters no, uh, are on the play field. Yeah, imagine if there's only like one Dracula mech in the middle, and then everything else is on the screen. Well, and then uh, uh, that company, uh, CGC, they the Monster Bash. What is it, like six thousand, seven thousand? It's not that bad. The new one, no, I, like I, the cheap one. Yeah, it's like six grand. It's like the basically the price of a Stern Pro. Yeah, and it it's got all that stuff on it, and so yeah, I don't know. Makes you think. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was just actually, I was talking to a buddy of mine a couple of days ago and, uh, and we were talking, I can't remember what game we were talking about, but he was talking about Disney world. He's like, Hey, you know how in the haunted mansion, they project images onto spheres to make like faces and heads and whatnot. He's like, why don't people do that in a game? He's like, he was saying how he saw a redemption game, a new redemption game that does that. Right. So you could have like a generic character, like a generic baddie or a ghost or something. And you could, you know, have like a $40 projector or whatever. And just like shine the images on it. It's like, Oh look, now it's this character. Now it's this character. You know, even if you did have just a single toy, you could use right. video, to change it up. But, but you just like that argument about switches on the deep root. Th- yeah, let's like- talk about deep root because I saw you in that thread too. So deep root, so you know, it sounds like June thirtieth they're they they are going to give Zidware customers an option of three games to pick from uh, that will be delivered within a few weeks. First of all, do you think they're going to hit that date? And then what what do you think we can? What, I mean, it's all speculation. Like, are they going to have like different? tech in the game that we've never seen before and switches goodbye optos hello or some new way to track the ball like what what are your thoughts well the fact that i mean you again any sufficiently advanced company could track a pinball in their sleep it's not hard at all i mean we have rockets that land themselves now for crying out loud i mean pinball is simple uh but as i said in that thread the kind of people that could do that all work at SpaceX or Tesla. They don't work for they don't work for the right. pinball industry. I know that sounds crass, but hey, I can't do it, and a lot of people can't do it. But if you can, go right. out west and make the mega bucks. Uh, but I was just I, I think if anyone is going to try some innovations, it, it obviously will be a uh, deep root. So I guess we'll see if it succeeds. I I don't think they're going to make that June thirtieth date. Uh, I think in that same forum, Iceman or someone was posting. 
and he's I think he said there was three options. It's like you get your game, you get a refund, or you defer the deposit forward to when the game is released. Right. I guess the question is, that's only less than two months away, right? So there's that. They also are indicating yeah. that the games will be $5,000. And you got to wonder, well, how much innovation and how much quality can you build into a game at that price point? We all saw how Thunderbirds ended up feeling. I was just going to say, I mean, you have to, you'd have to be in China or maybe Mexico to actually they're, they're realistic. They're in Texas. That's where manufacturing is happening, which is it's not cheap, right? It's a cheap state to... Well, it's, no, it's a cheaper right. state than Illinois or New Jersey by a long shot. Uh, but isn't the most expensive well, thing, Ben, like establishing a manufacturing facility? Isn't that super expensive to go from no manufacturing see, to building an entire company that can make a pinball game? Here's the thing with Deep Root. And obviously, Robert is a better businessman than I am because I'm sure he's many, many, many multiple times richer than I am. However... Like he seems to be the one putting the most money into actual research and development and also basically creating IP or story development. And, you know, I, I would agree that little trailer that they had of the deep root wasn't anything spectacular, but at least showed they're thinking about storytelling and right. whatnot. So it, it seems like he's spending the money on that. So why even bother with manufacturing? Why not just pay American pinball to do it? Or spooky, although spooky might not be big enough for his goals. But you know what I'm saying? Like, why why waste the time trying to be a creative house and a manufacturing house when other people might have you know underutilized uh, production cap- capability that you could segue into? Right, but I guess the 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 question then becomes, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna do that? Because they seemingly are competitors when it comes to because right now, even without any games shipping. He's competitively hurting the other manufacturers because people are holding on to their money, waiting to see what Deep Root delivers. So right, right, right then and there, he's a competitor. Um, and why? Yeah, and then you had that thing with CGC had Stern make Medieval Madness, but now they, they don't, don't really anymore. Out. So I mean, ostensibly, American Pinball would be the most likely place to go when they move into their new factory if they have two or three lines that they're capable of making games on why not do that but i don't think they don't strike me as a company that's going to like do all this development and then ask someone else to make it i I just don't get that sense you're you're right i'm i'm sure they're going to try to do it all down there and again it it would make more sense to build something in texas and illinois however uh that manufacturing is well we've seen it time and time again manufacturing is where people get fucking wrecked I mean, look at the big Lebowski. They were the bells of the ball. But when the rubber hit the road and they were trying to build the game, they were DOA. Right. And that's what kills you. Just like what you said about George Gomez. It's like they're going to get killed by contract manufacturing. But not just the fact they contract manufacture, but just you know the fact that they're even manufacturing in the first place. It's, it's, there's a huge chasm as I look at my uh, new uh, Grand Canyon wallpaper on my computer. There's a huge chasm between making a working prototype game and manufacturing one. So I heard that, and I reported something incorrectly, which I never do on this show, Ben. Never. <laughs> the the screen on Deep Root Games will, in fact, be above the glass, which then makes that aspect ratio video seemingly point to a display that is very much like Chicago Gaming Company's wide display. It's even wider than Chicago's display, though. Chicago's display is only, uh, no, it's four to one. 
so maybe this runs across the four to one. So this this so then this might go across the entire back box at the bottom with speakers above it. Uh possibly. It looks like, I'm surprised they're not gonna Oh go ahead. It look no, it looks like it run it could run the length of the back box. Yeah, I honestly it wasn't see my thing is I think Robert's after Zidware's patents. Um, it's possible that Zidware has patents that could be huge gotchas for other companies that could be part of the play. One and I is, think one of the is screen under glass. Yes. And I don't know if it was ever granted, but John definitely spent a lot of time filing patents because he had a buddy that would basically do it for free. Whereas the rest of us pay like two or $3,000 could, you know, filing a patent is an expensive hiring, hiring a patent lawyer is what costs money, right? but not when they're your friend. But I don't get uh, the, I don't get that yeah. patent because screens have been used under glass in multiple games. So Can't, what? That doesn't mean it hasn't been patented. But if you patent it, then you prevent other people from doing it. Right. But what I'm saying is, is it specifically the you know the the display of the entire game has to be under the glass, a la Circus Voltaire, or is a screen like Wonka Vision? Can they sue for something like that? I'm not a lawyer, but <laughs> it would be it would be such a shame, though. I mean, I think if this company became a patent troll company alongside a entertainment company and started to sue pinball companies for their designs, like especially once, especially anything John Papaduke patented, right? It's like if there's any man that does not deserve to hold things hostage from companies that are actually making games, it's John Papaduke. Yep, but. You know, that's how the patent system works. It's like, well, yeah, it's like it's like a patent troll. I mean, but John's that was been like the one. patent troll because he never figured any of it out. So he gets to apply the patent, own it, and then yet he never has a commercial product, and he prevents real companies from putting it into games. He's they, the, a, then he's the troll. <laughs> if he's going to sue you for doing it, right? But the thing is. He would be within his legal right to do so, Absolutely. even if it just seems like bullshit. I know, but that's but that's a definition of patent trolls. Is like they they own the rights to yeah. control the people who want to use the patent. Or, well, there there is an episode of Silicon Valley about that where um, this basically they have someone will have a patent that's very broad, and so they can even if another company is not in violation of it, there's risk of them being in violation of it. Where it's actually well. The, and well, in that episode, the thing was the patent troll basically just wanted to shake them down for like 50 grand or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, I keep thinking about the Zidware thing and I'm like, all it was was art, right? Stern saved Zidware the right way by hiring Jeremy. What was left, right? So who knows what the play is? However, I mean, they seem committed to, you know, technological innovation, Although I will say this, um, how how do we know that? How, how do we know that? Who, who's they're who's they? Deeper? spending a lot of money. Yeah, deeper. They're but, they're at least trying something different. But isn't it? But but how do we even know that? You know, that's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit because I've been there's, getting... there's, there's SEC filings. I mean, it's public record how much money they raised. Right. So I I guess the point is we know that they've raised money. We know they hired a huge team. How do we know they've successfully done things in pinball that are truly innovative? We don't. Well, right? we won't. Not until we see something. Right. However, the amount of people they've hired and the genres or industries they've hired them from tells me that they are attempting some sort of innovation, especially in the scheme of storytelling. Although they, they could go too far with that and make a game that just won't shut the fuck up. So do you like, think like they are, 
like the ghost game I made, which had too much storytelling. Yeah, no, it was just the greatest journey of pinball. Uh, ben, do you think they're going to try and bite off more than they can chew? Clearly, they're doing more than pinball. There's other IP going on and development and games and whatnot. Do you think this is a mis- it's a mistake to try and do all this at once? Well, regarding the June 30th date, that was set over a year ago when they first announced their plans, right? And that was also set well well before they missed their TPF reveal. Uh, so I would say the fact that they canceled TPF as early as they did means they're further behind than they thought they would be. Right. Uh, that, that doesn't really answer your question, but that's just my take on so the situation. June 30th is just the make or break date for... Because that's where there's actual money on the line and, and a, a contract signed between the, the Zidware customers and, and Robert. But I'm I'm seeing from like a week ago, you know, Robert is telling people we're hitting it. Like it's until he says we're not going to hit June 30th, he listens to the show. He's got my email. So I, I talked to Robert like he, then he should tell so us now he's not going to hit they're it. Gonna, they're they're going to have a game or three games? They're, apparently – so this is the other interesting question is, because we don't know what Zidware, not Zidware, Deep Root games are like. So if he's saying you can choose from one of three games, like what does that mean, right? Like are there swappable parts of the games? I don't think so. Does it mean like you buy a cabinet like a P3 Multimorphic? And I, th- I thought he was working on like five titles at once. Twelve Whitewoods, he said. More than 12? twelve. He said more than twelve Whitewoods. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I bet That's a lot. I bet Robert's gonna go to the customers, and be like, "Hey guys, um, I'm I'm here to offer you one of three games. The names of those games are Lexi Lightspeed, Cosmic Kart Racing, and <laughs> Cannon Lagoon. Which one do you want?" Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> I still think Can- Cannon Lagoon's like the best game Jerry ever made. I love the game with like the when you're you battle someone and there's like the rocks and they pop up and you have to maybe is that not the rocks one or is that Cannon Lagoon? Maybe it is. No, Cannon Lagoon is the one where they've got they've got an LCD in the in the under the glass in the back, and there's ships going back and forth, yeah, and yeah. you fire balls at them to sink them, and that's it. You don't have to explain to the player what to do. That's right. the kind of game people right. should be making. So, speaking of innovation, something I know we wanted to talk about was internet connectivity with pinball. Ah, uh, yes, and its implications, yeah. its feasibility, and should we ever implement it into pinball what what are your thoughts you've heard my my take on this i think it's going to be a game changer okay yeah so yes i've i've heard that because i listen i do listen to your podcast um there's a few there's a few things about it that i don't necessarily agree with or think are feasible the biggest one being head-to-head play and mainly because i think the chances of being online while someone else is online with a pinball machine that sold units of thousands is very, very low. Obviously, you'd have to basically set this match up manually with a friend like an old Doom server. If only there was a website, Ben, where like thousands of pinball owners were on all the time with nothing better to do. Oh, that's OK. That's actually a good idea. It's OK. Like, so oh, I, I do. So... Set up a pin side chat room. Hey, who with an ACDC wants to play right now? Right. So, you know, I play video games, right? And I, the one I've been playing the most lately is Call of Duty Blackout, the uh, Battle Royale in Call of Duty. Right. And so that's a game that sold like 20 million plus units or whatever. And after about four months of release, like you can wait like a minute or two to get into a match uh, with a game that costs $60 
that 20 million people bought. So I just think about those those things scaled down and not just scaled down, but you're scaling also, you're scaling up the age. So instead of like, you know, it might suck that everyone on an online video game is a racist 15 year old kid. However, they're warm bodies, whereas pinball, the demographic skews older. So people have less time and availability. So that's one of my issues. But yeah, if there was some sort of matchmaking or scheduling, then it could work. That but that, that just gets you to the connected part, though. Like, how exactly would it work in game? Because like, what if one player drains way faster than you? Like, is it just like a race for points, or how would well, it work? I think you'd have to have much like other games online play. It would be completely different than the traditional like mode based journey uh, as a single player game. I, I think you'd have okay. to you'd have to figure that part out, right? Um, and, and that's where I was like, so here's where I think it works. So you, you, you either do like, it would be more like about time to play. So let's say you and I both have Batman 66 and when we do you versus me, it's, it's just a five minute game. When you drain, you just, it just, you know, it, it reshoots the ball and we've got five oh, minutes. So it'd be like, why not? Yeah. Why not? It'd be like just, it's, it's, it would be like safe, safe, safe cracker that yeah, game where. But, but that's same but, thing. It's like a timed that, game. It doesn't matter it's, how it's many times you drain, game. and it's whoever scores the most, whoever jails the most villains by the end of five minutes wins, and that's it. And then you and I can have a five minute pinball experience head to head, and you can't, so uh, is, yeah. Is it gonna is it gonna do a webcam with the screen Absolutely. and the camera? If I want to like see JJP you. Game? I want to see you, and you're gonna watch me play. You know, I'm gonna play bareback to <laughs> to distract you from. It. Hmm. I guess I mean that that could work if you would need some sort of portal or some easy way to connect. Like like it would need like, yeah, a, like the a internet. cell phone connectivity. Well, or you know <laughs> maybe your cell phone, or you could set up a friends list. Uh, I just I don't know. I just Look, I, I, I have a feeling. I, I get what you're saying. I, and again, like I don't. I guess the question would be this, and this is a metaphor I hear at work every day: Is the juice worth the squeeze? So the amount of money it would take, <laughs> right, to set up that yeah. network, to set up all that stuff, would it be worth it to do all that and network these games if the, you know, only 5% of people are ever going to utilize it? Because then you got to think about the R&D cost into making those modes for the network play. you got to, the cost of running the servers, all that stuff, right? But my point is yeah. this, for $9,000, these $3,000 Stern machines, that's where the cost should be. For nine grand, I want my goddamn pinball toy to be connected to the internet, which everything else I use in my life is connected to for far less than nine thousand dollars. So you definitely and and your huh? And a modern a modern car certainly is connected. I mean, it's more expensive than pinball, but yeah, but people would people wouldn't accept a non-internet connected car nowadays. Same kind of thing. But I have to assume the the cost to connect to the internet for devices is pretty damn cheap in twenty nineteen. You know, I really couldn't tell you what the development cost would be. You would need uh, an additional FCC certification because you're uh, an intentionally wireless device, you know, Wi-Fi. But again, I don't think it would be that huge of a deal in the grand scheme of things. I know one thing companies think about or worry about is attack vectors, right? Um, Again, like we talk about like our cell phones and operating system. And these are products made by companies infinitesimally larger than the pinball industry what is, so what is that you phrase? Know, uh, that's a phrase most of my listeners will is that like getting hacked by somebody uh yes yes so 
I don't know why someone would try to hack into a pinball machine, but you know, people you know try to run Doom on old printers. Uh, yeah, so you'd have to figure out all the possible ways that it could be hacked. And like, even if they can't, you know, they could steal your personal info. info they could steal your location. Uh, if you were an operator and you were like paranoid, they could try to figure out your earnings and then maybe try to come into your market. Like, ooh, that bar. Guardians of the Galaxy does really well at the bar. I'm going to go in there and try I'm to get gonna, my games in. I'm going to pay the world's greatest computer hacker to hack into all of Hilton's games. And so the only audio that can play <laughs> is Cotton Eye Joe on all of his games. Oh, God. He would love that. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure that's part of the trepidation for it. I mean, there's no reason these systems couldn't go online. Like, you can go online with a super wimpy microcontroller. So certainly what they've got in these games now could do it. I mean... You know, so, it's so, well, they okay, would use so, a Wi-Fi dongle. So versus mode is, is is one thing we you know we talked about. There is a way to do it. It's it's a completely different way of playing pinball. That's the other thing yeah. I just keep thinking about with pinball. And even even as I watch these pinball tournaments, which I have to be honest, they bore me because the notion of watching someone play like a twenty to thirty minute game has no appeal. And and I'm still shocked that nobody out in the pinball tournament world has understood if you want more people to even play competitively a clock, a countdown where you only have a certain amount of time is more enjoyable than the way it currently goes. That's, that's my, for, for the, for the viewer, for sure. They might, right. they, they might not want to play that way. Uh, but there's a reason why, you, you know, when you watch a basketball game, there's a clock Like some sports have clocks and some sports have innings and some sports, uh, I guess go to the you you reach a certain score, but I think pinball would be better served with with a clock. Is there any sport where there's not a clock? I can't even baseball think of one. has no clock. I mean, you just go innings. You can play a baseball. That's game. still a unit of time based off. Run. Okay, yeah, but you're right. So you know, code wise, it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. You would just say drains don't matter, and you've got ten minutes to play. So whoever gets the most points. In 10 minutes, because again, like what happens if one person whiffs all three balls and they're sitting there watching the other person play for half an hour? Right. So, yeah, you definitely want to avoid those sort of, sort of things. Also, so by making it a time limit, you're, you're right. That would solve that problem. It would problem. also maybe help if there was a time limit on how long you could cradle the ball in a tournament play. Because think about it. These guys mm, can like, of course they, be, they could hold the ball for like two minutes while they're lining up their shot. True. But if you're cradling the ball, you're not making points. But there's no but there's no clock. So it doesn't matter. They can, you know what I'm saying? Like if there was, I know, but you're, yes, yes. But if if there was, there is a clock. Yes. So if there was a clock, you're right. There'd be no point in cradling because you'd be, you'd be at a disadvantage. But currently it's the way these pinball tournaments are working right now. And it's why I think they're boring to watch is these games go on forever. And it's like, and and then a tournament, a pinball tournament is like an 18 hour venture. (laughs) Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> anyway, yeah, it seems like at all the shows the tournament always goes long, Dude, or ever, they have to. You go into the room actively those, make it short. Those possible. guys look like they just crawled out of Vietnam at the end of a pinball tournament. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I get, well, you know what? That's their thing. I mean, it, it it's. Why are they torturing I, I, themselves I, I, when they could just probably condense it down to if they each got five minute, you know, and it was like a round, like like, like a bracketed tournament with five minutes per round. But you, one, you know. I was just going to say, you know what else is weird? Like, if you think about pinball machines that have fundamentally changed the way they work, like Safe Cracker or Flipper Football, 
they they fail as well. So that's something else right. to consider. But yeah, you're right. They should well n- not just head to head play for online. They should be online, but they should update themselves. They could have like uh, weekly specials or weekly events, right? You could have things based off uh, data, you know, like what well, I told you about. Remember, I, I thought it'd be cool to make like a rampage pinball machine. I told you that before, right? Yeah, it'd be neat. Right. Right. So, you know, that take all, all these random cities. So you could actually like go online and get the d- city data and be like, oh, OK, the city has this many people in it. Like you could use Internet data to procedurally generate rules based off where you are. Right. And you could also have weather effects or, you know, like, oh, this got this many buildings and this many people. And, you know, you could do things like that. Like people complain about rules like with the Internet and, you know, you know, calling data from anywhere. Basically, so many public publicly available sources, you could you could basically uh, procedurally generate rules based off things See, that ben, are random, we, like we've talked nature, traffic, right. even we, we we've talked a lot about creativity and pinball, the coding of a game and the coding of the experience is so much of where creativity can occur. And I think it doesn't occur at all. I think people still approach these games the same way over the last 30, 40 years. I'll give you an example. I'm looking at Batman 66. If I have a kid, and I want him to learn how to play Batman and just learn how to shoot, maybe create the ball. Why isn't there just a mode for like a, like a junior beginner level mode in which it's just the crane going back and forth and saying, how many times can you hit the crane in like five minutes or two minutes? And that's it. Video games, video games have things like that but already. Why, like, why, is, why is none of that? None of that coded well, into I- modern pinball. I th- well, I think it's because pinball is still meant to be a very immediate arcade experience that basically wants to suck the money out of your pocket as quickly as possible. And a lot of things we're talking about definitely sound more like home use video game aspects. Right. But, I mean, like I just mentioned my buddy who stopped by and like he's an operator. He doesn't even bother with pinball machines because they don't make money. Like why buy a pin when he can get one of those kitty gambling, you know, coin pusher key master machines and make 10 times the money, right? So – I mean, but some, but it, but some people like to operate like, yeah, but that's, go that, ahead. to me, that's always like the, the dichotomy and maybe even like the bipolar problem I have with the way pinball machines are approached these days. Cause if you just want a fast game, that's brutal and like, it's still fun, but people drain quickly, then just make another TNA or black Knight and put it on location. You'll make more money with a game like Ghostbusters is the ultimate earner because it's the ultimate drain fest, but it's got a theme everybody <laughs> and loves it, and a good theme. Uh, Deadpool does really well from what I hear. Yeah. Because it's it's a it's a theme people under fifty are familiar with. So I yeah. guess I guess the thing is, I think we're at a state because there are so many games out there where do you think these companies are creatively looking at these machines and saying, Are we giving the home use buyer all we can in terms of reimagining what people want in a game in their home because right now it's just one size fits all like same game in your home as location as in tournaments one size fits Pretty all much. well i mean on top of that stern's programming like what two different sets of code for the pro and the premium so maybe they just don't have the resources to make different versions uh, i don't know i mean you think here's something to think about if you think about rules in pinball or code it's basically static I mean, you can stack things and you can have different approaches, but there's still only so many ways you can come at it, right? right? Now, compare that to something like Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption, where it's this very well-programmed world and you can kind of create the scenarios, you know? Like, you can you can create the fun. 
like, oh, you know, I've, I've got 10 bear pelts on my horse. I'm going to crash into a train and see what happens. Or, you know, I'm going to do this with a helicopter. But again, those games have armies of people programming them, programming these advanced world, whereas pinballs much more limited. But so, I, yeah, I, I, if there was a way to make games have more divergent or uh, procedural gameplay, I think that'd be really cool because in a way they would never get old. It, it would be it's, like, a, it's, what's it's, it called? A, a, a roguelike. It would like generate itself. Like yeah, I mean, it's, it's the balance, right? Because we saw Pirates of the Caribbean with, you know, choose from 22 different characters and every game is will be different because of all the different possibilities. And then people mm-hmm. are like, that was too confusing for me. But I do think there's a middle ground in which you might be able to shape your own adventure a little bit more with more control without it being too complex, right? And I think that that balance is, is, is a little bit hard. But my whole thing yeah, is... that's what... Go ahead. No, I just, I just want the, the thing that excites me the most about Deep Root is I is what I hope they do is I hope they reimagine what the experience can be, but still keep the magic, the physical magic under the glass. That is what pinball needs to be. Yes, uh, I, I, going back to uh, medieval madness, you don't have to explain castle sieges to people everyone goes to school and they hear about medieval times you don't have to explain a draw ridge or portcullis or destroying a castle right it's like it's so self-evident and all of that game is on the play field like oh i destroyed a castle and that's why that game still earns you know decades later and i think we need more of that even if the toys i mean i also, you don't have to explain a knight to people either, like with Black Knight. But I just don't, it's not really as satisfying as seeing a castle break. Uh, yeah, so I think if there was, if people were smart about what they put on the play field, like make games that don't need to be explained. Like do you, do you the think, play. Do you think you need to explain Martians land on a nuclear power plant that was built on top of an amusement park if that's completely infected by zombies? Is that too much? Uh, well, the, the video explains it so clearly it, it needed to be explained. It was explained uh, well, pretty clearly, though. I think that was I think they did a good job for something that had and, four and, elements going on and concisely and in a way that was, you know, quite it was well aware of how stupid it was. Right. You know, like the irony was built into it. Uh, I was well, one thing I think Aaron Davis and I were talking about this years ago, but like um, we were talking about like if a Minecraft pinball machine was made, although I think, well, Minecraft is totally done now. Kids only care about Fortnite. But, you know, you'd have a section like a grid of blocks, like block drop targets, and you'd shoot them and they drop. You'd like be chipping away. Like you wouldn't have to explain that to anyone. And I don't know. That's the kind of things I'd like to see in a play field. Like right. you walk up and you don't need to be you don't need to be told what to do. You, you can figure it out physically because of what the ball does and how it reacts to the environment. But then you can also obviously have more depth for the advanced players. Right. That's what I'd like to see. So how 2019, we, we, are we oversaturated right now, even before Deep Root? Well, is really that much being released? I mean, Stern has their normal schedule. Then we have... I mean, what else is really coming out? It feels like we're in a lull right now, if for sure. I mean, it, it is a... Yeah. It is a pinball buyer's market of used games right now. There are so many games uh, people have up for sale. I mean, right now, the next game is either going to be Jurassic World or Godzilla. I would think Jurassic World because I heard Stern was going to do that years ago. It makes sense, actually. Does it? But the movie was like two years ago. <laughs> Why does it make... Godzilla's coming out this oh. year. Is it? A... Yeah. 
Oh, so, oh, so you think you're gonna? They're gonna do the uh, the Godzilla King of the Monsters Godzilla, like the new movie. <laughs> I heard they don't have that. I heard it's like the Toho one. Is that it? Is that right? Well, I mean, they they mostly did that just to spooky. I mean, I don't think they had much of a plan beyond that. Uh, it's all, okay, it's all the same why... Godzilla to me, to be honest. I got to be honest. I don't like, think, I don't know it, anyone it, who like compartmentalizes their Godzillas, but like, apparently there's different oh, ones. Are, are you are you kidding? Uh, like so, like the the Brian Cranston Godzilla, I think was acceptable to Godzilla fans. The 1998 one was they hated it. And then for most Godzilla fans, it's classic Godzilla, like the Toho uh, made in Japan Godzilla. So, so this uh, one, this King of the Monsters one, that is that Toho, the new movie? No, it's the it's Warner Brothers. It's the sequel to uh, the 2013 movie by Gareth Edwards. Okay. The the one that made you think Brian Cranston was a star and he died in the first five minutes. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was Godzilla, then Kong Skull Island, which is in the same universe, and now Godzilla King of the Monsters. So it's wow. basically get ready to eye, roll your eyes. It's a giant monster shared universe. Gotcha. Yeah, they did a bad uh, job. Well, I was going to say, well, yeah, because you, you weren't aware of it. I was going to say one more thing. Um, like if if you said to me like, oh, what should we make, Jurassic World or Godzilla? I would say Jurassic World because we just talked about games earning on locations. Uh, millennials are spending all their money at bars. Like they're like, that's all they do. They don't buy houses. They don't buy cars. They don't even buy TVs. They just go drink. And they're the ones, they're the ones dropping money into like Deadpool and they love Jurassic Park. They worship that film. Right. right. That's why I think that would be, I mean, if you're, if you want to get money on location from like 30 year olds, that would be a great title, even though, well, Jurassic World isn't the same as Jurassic Park, but it's close enough. Right. Yeah, no. I, I don't think the the game is going to resonate with as many of the stern like Noonbox collectors, but we'll see. Because like the no one really knows who's designing it. it it's got to be. It's I, I keep hearing it's not Brian Eddy, so then it has to be Keith Elwin. I would assume is next. Uh, I have no idea. Because Borg, Borg just did Monsters. Gomez just did Deadpool, and. Mm-hmm. And go, I I don't know maybe it's Gomez we'll see so huh. what what uh what's next for Ben Heck before we get to our hour uh, here give give us the juice oh yes well I haven't been working on any pinball stuff well maybe a little I've been toying with the idea of doing a new controller board uh, I've just been everyone asks me what what are you doing now it's like this big mystery uh, I, I I dug up part of my driveway that that was fun uh. And now I'm filling it back in. I was redoing electrical, so that's something that I did. Canada's paving <laughs> um, podcast. I should do. I was gonna. I want to corner like all these different like <laughs> random verticals, like Canada's rocking chair podcast, where I just go off on rocking chair designs these days. I'm sure there are rocking chair enthusiasts who. Would, <laughs> I would like, bet you there's a podcast. I, I uh, we should. I should do a wheel of like what community will I infiltrate and troll next year, and <laughs> will I be their best podcast out there? There's, there's probably a community of like, you know, like 70 year old woodworking guys who make rocking chairs or, or I, well, I bet the, this is probably a big Amish thing too. Oh, everybody. uh, oh, gosh. What would you, if you kind of, if you could go to a lot of home remodeling, but that's not interesting to people. If you could go work at one of these companies, I think I always ask you this. I'll ask you again, but like, which one would you want to be at right now? If you could take the reins and just be like, 
would it be American pinball? Would you lock normal and Davo in a room until you actually had a good art package? Would you, would you go over to Jersey Jack and get more of a bomb and more, you know, toys to play with? Would you go to Stern and actually know your game's going to be made? Oh, I don't think Stern would ever want me. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think JJP might be kind of cool. I don't know if, I don't know. I, I know I still have my unfinished game at Spooky, but that thing will probably, you know, maybe it'll get released in 40 years. You know, they'll dig it up from some archaeological site or something. Do they own it? I, I don't. Or do you own it? Yes, because I was on retainer when I designed it. Okay. Alice Cooper so. is finally shipping. Um, it sounds like, you know, the game's turned a corner and, and the code is great and animations are great. And, you know, I think people are getting past the tight shots. What, what's it like seeing that game finally ship for you? Well, it was the last pinball machine that I worked on. Uh, well, you know, Char Charlie and I had many, 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 many arguments about it. But in the end, I mean, still a lot of the DNA that David Van Ness and I put into it is still there. I know they have Bowen uh, working on the rules with uh, uh, David Fosma. But the basic idea of, uh, tra you know, traveling through rooms, fighting monsters and collecting items, which give you modifiers against the monsters that's still there. And that was basically something that I came up with. And I think that's still cool. Cause we were talking about rules a little while back and you know, you're traversing through the castle, right? Right. And when you start, when you start your journey, the monsters already selected. So once you get to the end of the castle, you're going to fight, you know, pit creature or whatever. Right. And then there's three things that can affect each monster. Right. So, like if you're if you're fighting like the tentacle monster, it's like salt from the kitchen and like shears from the garden or you know things like that. The thing is, you can never collect all three. They're they're arranged and deposited around the castle in, in such a way that you'll never get all three. You can only get two at most, right? And that's so when you get to the monster, you never have all three possible modifiers, which means there's always a different way to approach it. Gotcha. So that was so in that case, I used the geography of the castle to limit the amount of effects you could have when you get to the monster to hopefully give it more depth. So we'll see. Little rocks, paper, scissor decision to make when you're battling him compared to, you know, depending on what you got. Um, okay, right. cool. Now, would you ever own an Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle since you worked on it? Uh, it would not be, no. I don't even have my own game. I don't. I don't. Why not? I think if... Yeah, I was so sick of it by the time I was done with it. Charlie was going to give me like the beater one. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to. I don't even want to look at this thing anymore. <laughs> That's that like Orc. Orc is, Orc's like the same way with Alien. He's just like, I just, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't make me smile seeing it every day in my home. It would be like a Vietnam vet having a big poster of Apocalypse Wall, Apocalypse Now on their wall. That's probably a bit of extreme of an example. Isn't that what all I the, think? If, all the tournament guys have that in their house. <laughs> I think if you're not completely sick of something by time you're done with it, you didn't work on it hard enough. I agree. I mean, I, I'm even like, I used to be the biggest Guns N' Roses fan, but after all the stuff I did in the marketing world and seeing them so many times, I'm just like, I don't know if I even want to own the pen. Cause I'm just like, you kind of get tired of stuff that you're just, you spend so many hours thinking about. I agree. Yeah. Think about, think about like, uh, David Fosma, like if he hears a Rob Zombie song, he probably throws a brick at the radio. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, Ben, always a pleasure. We are right on the one hour mark, which I love yep. to keep these interviews to, and we will do this again soon. You know, let's 
I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next couple of months when uh, Deep Root comes out and reveals something, hopefully by June 30th. Uh, and also, we might see Jurassic World uh, in that time frame as well. So we'll get you back on soon. Always a pleasure. Sounds good. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Later, Ben. Get out of here.